How's it going? Go, good, good. Um, same old. I'm doing all right. <laughs> Word. Um, so for for people that that, that are listening, uh, Monica is my, is my comrade from uh, the NYC branch, and uh, she is also the producer and host of Breakthrough News and on the picket line. Uh, is that a podcast or that's just a, another news outlet? It is a podcast. I actually um, haven't done an episode and it's gonna, it's in a period of transition into doing more video content for Breakthrough because we're mostly a, a uh, video platform. Um, so yeah, but people can still look it up on, on Spotify, Apple and Google podcasts. Um, I got a couple months worth of really solid content. Um, but for now on the line, it's not really a thing, but, um, still cool to promote it because, um, there's still like a lot of great, um, episodes up there and available for folks to check out. Right. And I got to say that I heard, I've heard a few of those episodes and also I watch breakthrough news all the time. Um, Mm -hmm. so it's it's definitely a breath of fresh air to see comrades having an outlet that's actually very truthful and not with that CNN uh, Western hopaglash nonsense, <laughs> you know. And um, you 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 guys are really making an impact. Um, just looking at the comment sections and everything, I was like, yes, this is awesome. Yeah. Like, and since the pandemic, I have missed going down going up down to New York and chill with the comrades. It's been a while. I miss you guys. <laughs> Definitely. I know that's been one downside of things. I mean, within like, you know, our own branches, like where we're doing as much as we can, you know, in person now with like the vaccine rollout. But um, but yeah, there's been so many folks from other brands I haven't seen since like 2018. Like it's yeah. or it's like 2019. I mean, like what is time? The COVID fatigue. It's been 18 <laughs> months of this. It like really hit me today. Actually, I'm like we've been in this for a year and a half. Like right. September, March, like a year and a half exactly since um everything shut down in march of 2020 so it's just it, it's been a blur but uh yeah, yeah breakthrough actually launched the same week that new york uh shut down and went into quarantine oh, really? yep mm-hmm. oh wow so that was a huge adjustment you know we had everything figured out um within our our studio space here in manhattan and um you know a flow of things like really just set up and then <laughs> we had to go into quarantine and figure out how to work, you know, our tech and, you know, uh, just mm. totally change our recording format, you know, to to be all remote. So it was definitely, definitely a, a rough launch. And we, I always say, like, we never got to have like, an official launch party or nothing like that. Like, right, right. you know, um, but now, you know, we're all back in, in the space that we work out of. You know, we've been back here for a few months now. But um, but yeah, you know, let's see what the winter brings us honestly because things are looking yeah. a little a little dire right now already <laughs> yeah um that's exactly what i've been talking about with um some working class people especially at my job like mm. since i work at the hospital a lot of them mm. were freaking out about the vaccine and you know it's majority black in our department so we already mm. have that like colonized stigma that how we feel about it and not trusting right. it and how we need so much more education in order to trust it. And I was one of those guys. I was one of those guys like, man, listen, let, let me tell you about this vaccine. Like I, I did everything I can, but it's all a solid decision of the working class. And mm-hmm. we were, and I was just like, bro, it's going to get cold, man. Like you guys, yeah. Yale already finally made a mandate. 
um, to make sure all their uh, employees are vaccinated. So that's good. Uh, Shouts out for Yale for waiting to do that. Um, <laughs> I wish they would have did that earlier, but I understand now. Mm-hmm. I, I get it. I get it. It's a protocol. You got to take time to do stuff like that. So I'm not going to really critique Yale on that. But yeah, it's I'm, I'm scared for the winter as well, too. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know how it's going to be. Uh, how 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 is it now with the backlash with the governor in New York? New York has been on the radar for, I mean, New York is always on the radar, but New York is on the radar with the governor and that whole scandal. Uh, you know, past him saying he's Italian to as excuse to touch women, but also oh like, my this... god. <laughs> well, let's just get into that. What? How is New York doing now, dealing with all that with the governor? <laughs> I mean, honestly, like in terms of like everyday working class folks, I mean, a lot of people, um, you know, I would say in the beginning of the pandemic, you know, Cuomo with like his little, you know, just uh, uh, like press conference, press conferences every day, you know, he was really popular. And even across, you know, the country, he was getting a lot of applause for um, just tackling the pandemic, um, you know, head on and, and showing, you know, some semblance of leadership compared to the bullshit that we were getting out of the Trump administration at the time, right? right. But um, I think, you know, uh, with, uh, yeah, all of the, um the sexual assault scandal, harassment scandals, you know, all of that. I think people were just kind of like, whatever, you know, folks weren't, you know, that's sad to see him go. And um, yeah, I don't know. It's not something that, you know, uh, the fallout was like, what, like a month ago? And I feel like I don't even hear that many people talking about it nowadays, right. honestly. I feel like it really didn't even have, like, that much of an impact on, like, you know, the daily going-ons of most workers in the state. So, honestly, yeah, it just was, like, a big hubbub in the news for a little bit. Everyone was yeah. talking about it for that time for sure. Um, but, yeah, at this point, it's just kind of like, okay, back to business like yeah. yeah i just think it's really funny when with liberals because you mentioned that he was like very very popular and mm-hmm. um this is so true he was and it just it, i feel like it was just such a smack in their face after hearing like the scandal where him hiding how many people died um, yeah and, uh, the homeless not homeless homes um the uh, nursing homes and the and, nursing homes yeah just yeah. completely underreporting those those numbers just crazy i mean all across the tri-state area was like a really big thing and then to see um the way that workers have organized like in connecticut like um mm-hmm. nursing home and uh, you know home health care workers you know like narrowly averted a strike back in like right. june you know and uh we saw in pennsylvania as well um nursing home workers um, narrowly avoiding a strike. This was like in in July, um, right. and winning you know huge huge wins. Like uh, seeing like record uh, you know historic um, raises um, in terms of their uh, uh, hourly pay and um, a whole host of other benefits really related to their health care and their pensions. So um, yeah, I, I think uh, especially in the in the home care industry um, here in on, I'm from Jersey and that's actually where I live and organize now. I know we haven't seen each other in a minute. Oh, nice. I actually just moved um, back home to Jersey um, almost a year ago exactly back in October. 
it was always my long-term goal, you know, to, to get back um, there because New York is just super expensive and it's just, right. it's just been right. a struggle, um, you know, to afford rent. So, you know, I was trying to um, you know, reach my, my long-term dream of uh, being to just have my own apartment. Um, but yeah, being here, um, you know, my great grandma passed away in a, in a nursing home um, here in New Jersey last summer. She actually didn't, she tested negative for COVID. Thank you. Yeah. Um, she tested uh, negative for COVID, but um, she had like um, a lung infection. Um, so who knows, you know, if the test was even accurate, but at the same time, you know, all of her peers, you know, were, were being infected and, you know, her nursing home saw, you know, several dozen deaths. So, um, you know, thankfully, you know, she was like in her late eighties, you know, she lived a long, really happy life. Um, yeah. You know, a uh, working class person from Puerto Rico, actually my first, the first generation, you know, to move to the U US and was able to, you know, really just, you know, uh, create a better life, you know, for all the generations that came past, um, you know, that came after her, right? But, but yeah, that that was just a really sick scandal that didn't get, you know, as as much. Um, it got press for sure, but in terms of just like how much how many people were talking about it i was so surprised um right. you know by how how few people still do actually know about it um right. and just the, the lies of that in, of his entire administration so it seemed like the sexual assault scandal definitely got more um got more attention um and it just goes to it just speaks on a bigger picture and you know the way the democrats act you know it's just like right. creepy joe biden like can get away with freaking decades of, you know, um, of sexual harassment, of rape, you know, terror, and all the long list of women, you know, who have come out, I'm um, speaking out about what he's done. And it's just kind mm -hmm. of like, it's just so um, crazy how, you know, um, uh, the, the aftermath of the Me Too movement, how liberals and Democrats are able to just use the issue of sexual assault just um, to their advantage in really just in opportunistic ways. And, you know, right. I'm really just right. wondering who Cuomo pissed off, you know, in the New York, you know, Democratic establishment, you know, to really right. let this uh, spiral the way that it has, because it's like, undoubtedly, you know, he's been acting in these incredibly inappropriate and sexist ways in his office and, you know, in his multiple campaigns over the decades, you know, for all that time. So right. it's just kind of like, clearly, he just made the wrong move, pissed off the wrong person. And that's what, what we saw happen. So yeah, I it's totally just, agree. <laughs> mm -hmm. Because they just protect they protected Bill Clinton. They protected mm -hmm. um, Biden. Um, mm -hmm. And you see how hard they went on Kavanaugh. And that's a prime example of just the contrast of how the Democrats used Kavanaugh to just go in on him. And then when the accusations came up about Bill again, because let's just not, mm -hmm. like, this is a new thing. <laughs> and the accusations with Biden, uh, they're just like, oh, uh, crickets you know um we just gotta get trump out of office guys i don't even if uh right. biden could be out here doing this shit we just gotta get trump out of right. office guys and it reminds me because i like how you say cuomo probably piss somebody off and i i listen to a lot of right-wing news as well too just to hear what the mm. fuck they gotta it's say important. And it, yeah it is and sometimes i get annoyed and i'm just like i, got, I, can't, I can't listen to this shit but <laughs> something that struck me um i was listening to this uh interviewer named Pat David, um, he was interviewing mm -hmm. uh, uh, what was he, Colombo? Yeah, Colombo Crime. Um, he was a captain. He was a cop regime. His name was Michael Francis. He actually like became like a millionaire 
just stealing gas and getting money off of the taxes from the government. Um, mm. So he knew the Cuomo family and Anthony Cuomo, which is Andrews Cuomo's father, um, was into the mob heavy. So they knew the family and they said, Anthony, not Anthony, Andrew is a bully. He's an asshole. He, mm. his whole life, he just been rude and disrespectful to people. So I could definitely see him <laughs> pissing somebody off. And, and, and typical they, rich boy of, shit. Like, right? you've typical been spreading your shit. entire life. Like, <laughs> now you're in a position of power that was just like hand down to you. And, right? Your you father know. was a governor. Now you're a governor. <laughs> and one thing it's that struck crazy. me with Michael Franzese, he said that the mafia fucked with the Democrats hard. They didn't fuck with the Republicans. And he said the reason why is because Republican was like the law and order party, which we already know. They're like bootlegging right. hard for the law and order. But the Democrats were willing to do anything corrupt just to mm. get into office, like the Kennedys, mm. which is like a whole big thing about how the Kennedys got into office. So I was just like, oh, wow. So you see this guy who's a mobster just revealing that the Democrats are like the most corrupt because they could just hang with the cartel, hang with anybody. Mm. And they seen as like the, the vanguard party in a way, like the, car, the party that's going to bring hope and change, mm-hmm. even when they have mob ties and cartel yeah. ties. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, and, and it's just, it's interesting because talking about, okay, I don't know if you've heard about this. I was actually going to ask like uh, my coworkers here at Breakthrough if they'd heard about mm-hmm. this, but um, was working on editing up um, our, my other podcast um, on Breakthrough called It's Not You, It's Capitalism, a great uh, women-led podcast where we talk about, you know, everything from like, you know, the personal to the political and, mm-hmm. um, you know, all just like the kind of hottest topics. Um in the news, in culture, um, in the in the internet verse, but um, I was working on that all morning. So I didn't get to ask, but uh, my mom actually was supposed to go um, to DC with her boyfriend, who I love him to death. His best friend is in the Air Force. Like, not gonna get into it. He's Puerto Rican. He's from the hood. Mm-hmm. It's a huge thing, you know, in the in the Puerto Rican community. Like a lot of you know our family members and stuff like are in are in the military. And, um, you know, it's just like the only way, you know, to get, a, you know, a fair shot at healthcare, you know, an education right. um, and like a study career. Um, so she was supposed to go with him to go visit D.C. But apparently like a bunch of Trump supporters are going to be like having, trying to do like a January 6th, like part two or some shit like this oh, weekend. Like or like I don't, I don't know if that's exactly it, but they're going to be like having like a big protest. And they were they they were told, you know, like uh, like my mom and her brother were told, like, just don't come to D.C. And apparently like everyone in the D.C. area has been put on like alert. And like I work with like a comrade of ours who's like in the D.C. branch. And I'm just kind of like, um, is that? like actually a thing um but anyway uh, you know it just it just makes me think of like why so many working class people like despite all of like trump's like blatant you know sexism and racism and you know just fucking just unfettered greed like it people still gravitate to him because they're like well at least he tells the truth and the democrats don't and that's why um in a lot of ways the republican party generally is like more effective at talking to people uh, because you know they they beat on people's emotions of course 
it's just all um, I'm forgetting the word for it, but it's just like they just agitate and, you know, direct things to what people are feeling. Of course, they're not answering any real material solution and they're, you know, yeah. just further, you know, um, convoluting you know, like the what pot. the problem is. <laughs> yeah, but it's just like it's actually a really effective strategy and it's just like i feel like the left has got a lot to learn like you know yeah, from the yeah. way that they're able to um play on the emotions of working class people and you know well not necessarily we're not trying to play on them but we're just trying to to agitate on those issues in a way that feels like genuine and, and that's what the democrats fail out time and time again so you know just what you were talking about really makes me think a lot of that kind of a, a lot about that phenomenon how um a lot of people you know just appreciated trump um and still do because of of, of just how honest you know he is even though we mm -hmm. know that he's fucking crook and a liar but like the way right. that he expresses himself in a lot of ways you know even in the moments that you know um he's bsing like they still feel genuine um, right. I was watching this hilarious clip <laughs> that like ended up on my Twitter feed a couple of days ago. I don't know where mm -hmm. this was from, like what moment. I think it was a more recent speech and it was Trump talking about um, the invasion of Afghanistan and he's talking about like a woman when having to wear like the burqa. He clearly, like, oh, forgets, I just saw that. Like, you saw that? And he's like, yeah, I just saw that like two days ago. That shit so fucked me up. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> I'm like the small part of me that low key like misses Trump because of just like the daily <laughs> antics. Like it was just like every day we had something to laugh at. Like with Biden, it's like where is he? Like is he alive? Like it's like there's nothing. Like it's just like terrifying. It's just like you're a pedophile. Like that's it. But um, like Trump's a pedophile too. But like damn, at least yeah. he's funny. But like, <laughs> but um, no. But y'all was screaming because he like clearly forgot like what a burka is called. But he was just like, he was just like, yeah, we go in there and invade Afghanistan, you know, to free the women from, you know, wearing this. And I saw some interviews and these women talking about, like, we've been wearing this for thousands of years. Like, we yeah. want to wear this. And he's like, exactly. who are we to tell them what they want to wear? And then he's just like, he's exactly. like, if I were a woman, well, like, does that sound like so much easier than getting all dressed up and with makeup and everything? He was just yeah, like, imagine. He's like, crazy. I prefer that. If I was a woman, I just go, wow, I'm ready to go, darling. Like, I was, <laughs> I, I was screaming. And I was actually so mad because I'd seen that clip in the beginning of the week and I forgot right. to send it to my two co hosts, um, Rachel Hu and Sierra Taylor, who were fantastic uh, uh, women of color organizers who co host. Um, awesome. uh, we always host the show. It's like, it's capitalism and i was so mad i didn't say that because we were talking about we were doing kind of like a reflective on 9 11 um look out for our episode it's going to be out this upcoming monday um and um and yeah like uh, i was like damn that would have been such a good clip for us to respond to because it's just so funny and it just kind of demonstrates like you know like why why a lot of people really um do still why the trump effect whatever you want to call it is still like a thing right. because people appreciate that honesty from their politicians you know and it's like even the ways that he's like so obviously like dishonest like it's just his personality that just comes off uh just genuine and then he's also like he's such a new yorker too like the way that he talks yeah. and his sense of humor like he's so effing new york and it's just like yeah. just like this in your face like i'm giving it to you how it is like a hundred percent and people like right. that right yeah yeah that's exactly what um because michael Francis is from brooklyn and um Pat David, I believe, is from New York as well, too. And they were, well, he, he's from Iran and he came to New York. But um, yeah, they were talking about like how fucking blatantly honestly honest he is and how mm -hmm. that they don't have that. I mean, 
they don't they don't have that in any really politician. They're always like smoke and mirrors with everything, and they like mm-hmm. the genuine the genuine antics and stuff that he does, and the competitive scene and the pettiness and all the stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Which is like honestly, that's just that that is like it, it's more relative because it, it gives you a full understanding of who this person is, um, and that's something that the Democrats should like you know. I don't know, take notes on or something like that because it's yeah. always smoking mirrors with them. And they like to repeat things that they hear that's like very, like, I don't know if PC culture is a term or something like yeah. that. But they, there's no nuance. There's no full, like, educational purpose to why they are taking exactly. a stance. It's just a popularity stance. Exactly. Um, and that just comes off as being disingenuous. Um, and it comes off as being shady and stuff like that. Like, I had to talk to my... Uh, uh, I have a friend that uh, owns a liquor store who is from India. I think he's mm. second generation. Um, he's my age. He's um, Well, I think actually I'm a little older than him, but about a few years. But he was talking about how, man, I'm just going to stay Republican because I can't deal with these damn Democrats, bro. They just keep mm. just lying and keep going back in their word. Like, I know mm. Trump is a war criminal, but they literally are just doing all this bullshit behind our back acting like oh it's the right thing to do was like yo bro you are bombing the same countries that bush was doing and what, what's the difference right. like i was like yeah dude i know but no don't go to the republican side here come to the socialist side let's have a talk i try to get yeah. the program and all this stuff and he was like i don't want the program i don't want the program i'm still working on it i'm still working <laughs> bring him to the real life <laughs> right i'm trying so hard to give it to him but let's talk about Afghanistan since we brought it up, um, because that was mm-hmm. actually part of my little agenda here. I have agendas. Mm-hmm. Um, Afghanistan. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> uh, people, uh, you already know, like people are complaining about how we got out and now they're trying. Well, there's little talk about saying how we should go back. And um, what, are, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, it's just like... <sighs> Like, this goes back to, you know, over 100 plus years of the, you know, the remnants of of colonialism in the Middle East, which is just like also like, I mean, I'm going to call the Middle East because everybody calls it, that's what people recognize. But it's just like, we're talking about like East Asia, I mean, um, like West Asia, technically, like, this is not even like uh, the, the term Middle East is literally just like a, like a made up word, you know, yeah. like, and... Yeah. Yeah, it just really goes back to, you know, the Sykes-Pico agreement and the way that the Middle East was just carved up, you know, by, at that point, the British Empire. And, you know, now the U.S., you know, had just post-World War II period has just stepped up as like the largest, you know, colonial capitalist empire in the world. Right. I mean, we had no business there in the first place. We were funding the Taliban for decades in, you know, right. this cold war <laughs> on, on the Soviet that. Union. Yeah, like, and it's just like, in this current moment, it's just like, we're talking about $6 trillion spent on the wars in Afghanistan and Iraq. We're talking about upwards of 900,000 people murdered mostly innocent afghani and iraqi civilians we're talking right. about um this really just just new stage in the way that um 
our new phase, really, and just the way that the U.S. carries out warfare. You know, the now the the just regular, regular use of drone warfare. You know, some guy in like an army base in like fucking Kentucky can just like bomb the shit out of like a wedding in like the middle of Afghanistan. Like it's just like what? Like we saw drones being used now. You know, on American citizens, like in Ferguson. You know, during the uprising right. in 2014. So it's just like to really like understand like what you know um ha has been the legacy of like not just the past two decades but really several decades of intervention in afghanistan like that's just like the foundation for so much of this and you know the way that also the anti-war movement um really challenged um this war um quote-unquote war on terror and how it was totally shut down and split apart and confused and then, you know, that's the reason why the U.S. has had to shift um, its tactics and shift the way that um, it engages in these wars. You know, um, right. there's, you know, a concept um, that, you know, amazing um, leftist communist scholars like Vijay Prashad um, has coined calling, you know, calling it hybrid war, you know, yeah. now using yep. sanctions, now using, you know, um, the um, OAS and um, all of these different, you know, like uh, Capitol Hill, you know, um, based agencies that work to just subvert democracy in other countries that work to right. coordinate these coups. And it's just like a soft war, you know, um, it's, yeah. it's not necessarily boots on the ground, but our billions of dollars, trillions of dollars in tax dollars are being used every single day, you know, in, in this, um, in these different now tactics of war. And you know, one thing that's just so crazy to me, just kind of like, again, like we just had this conversation like on our podcast and it just blows my mind that we're talking about since 2001, this country has been in war. Like, and it's just like, it's really, yeah. that's just, you know, that American exceptionalism, that privilege that we do have here in the heart of the empire, you know, to be able to not necessarily, um, you know, most people aren't, you know, seeing that war in front of their faces. Like, of course, we have, you know, millions of Americans who have family members who, you know, um, who, you know, died abroad in these wars, you know, like my, my stepdad, he's a member of the National Guard. He was deployed to Afghanistan my first year of college in 2012, and, you know, he was witnessed, you know, like multiple like uh, of his fellow troops um, getting killed um, in, you know, not necessarily this direct combat, but, you know, all these random attacks, you know, um, right, right. and it's just like, yeah, like to really think that we have like a whole generation uh, of, of young adults in this country that know nothing um, but being in a constant state uh, of U.S. war abroad um, is just so mind boggling. And uh, I mean, there's so many things I can talk about, so much to get into and just like right, the way that we've right. also seen like our culture, you know, get hyper militized, militarized, you know, like. KOD and like all of these, you know, just like military games becoming like also places where the military recruiters are, you know, and it's just like, what is going on? And then to see, you know, the contradictions of capitalism just reach like such an existential peak with uh, the climate crisis and, you know, um, these climate disasters just hit closer and closer to home. Like even here at the Breakthrough Studios, like our basement where like, all of our tech and, and, you know, our live show was usually filmed got flooded. So like we've been having to like figure it out oh, for man. our live shows that you know actually happen um today thursday at 3 p.m every thursday three to five we have our show right. 
you know, it's just like, like we had like 25 people in, in New Jersey, in New York City, um, being killed. Like, um, where my family is originally from Patterson, New Jersey, which is like a super um, poor community, um, a lot of violence, a lot of drugs, just like the hood, like, and, mm -hmm. um, it's just like a post-industrial town. Like it used to be like a, uh, what, like the tech, textile, like capitals of the world. Um, and you know, once all that shit got, you know, um, uh, off board, you know, sent um, to other countries, um, you know, there's just no jobs there. And you had, um, you know, a, a little kid, like a two year old, like die in the floods, like just this incredible damage being done. Yeah. Like who's gonna help people? And in this yeah. on top of like a, a global pandemic, this on top of, you know, these record rates of unemployment, um, you know, oh, this whole crisis about like a worker shortage. It's like, there ain't no worker shortage. There's a shortage of jobs that people are willing to pay to, yeah. uh, to, to work <laughs> for an unlivable wage and for I zero benefit. I love how they phrase that. I just mm -hmm. love that. They don't want to acknowledge the, the actual cause of why not many workers are working, but they want to acknowledge that there's a worker shortage. Like, exactly like as if like <laughs> people are just too lazy to work oh yeah just because unemployment benefits people are too lazy to work right. like nah people are done working people saw what happened during the pandemic people saw their co-workers their family members their friends die because they were still rushing into work every single day not getting masks not you know having social distancing be respected right. you know we were having to fox news calling for us to sacrifice our grandparents for the economy like what Sacrifice like your grandparents for the economy ain't that like <laughs> i just went on a million tangents but it's just all so connected like the yeah, more yeah, and more no, no, that people right. start to realize that this military industrial complex like all of these bombs like all of these bases you know being built up all around the world like this is this is taking money out of our pockets this is taking money right. out of our social safety net money that could be used right. to fix our roads to fix our schools to right. fund child care to fund elder care to fund our pensions it's too busy being used to spill blood and so right. chaos all around the world 900 over 900 bases and mm -hmm. here in the connecticut branch um we're doing a forum um mm -hmm. on this talking about the cost of afghanistan and the cost of how much our state connecticut put into the afghan mm. war and how much that money that could have been allocated towards you know, everything that you just said honestly that is going on in Connecticut, you know, and there's, and I think that that message needs to be like circulated 24 seven, because all they're going to do is talk about how the Taliban is now uh, um, involved with China, because China is now mm -hmm. helping the Taliban. Mm -hmm. That's all they want to talk about now. They, if they find everything they want to talk about with China, China is China, that China is the biggest aggressor, China is going to destroy you, China is going to take your life. But China isn't the reason why I was kept back twice in school. China's mm. not the reason why I had to pay the IRS $100 a month. China's not the reason why I have to worry about whether or not I'm going to have health care and if I'm going to be able to afford health care whenever I have problems, you know, I have asthma, I have all types mm -hmm. of situations. So I'm not worrying about China. China's definitely not going to shoot me in the head or it, just because I got pulled over for being black. China's not going to do that. Where is the, the actual talk of like the pain 
of working class people in America. And how can we resolve that? How can we use our government to actually get towards that instead of having 900 bases, which majority of them are surrounded around China, surrounded how around China, Venezuela. I, I, how China ended up like, trying to place itself in the middle of all our of our military bases. Right. How China place itself, right, while we're doing, you know, uh, these naval exercises of the South China Sea. Why'd they put themselves in the middle of that predicament? Hmm. Right. Right, exactly, exactly. I just, I, okay, the China and the Taliban talking. Cool. None of my business. What is my business is what is America doing for us right now? That's yeah, you miss the folks with Taliban right now. Like, <laughs> like. And they're like, oh, the Taliban's on Twitter. The Taliban's on Twitter, but they, they banned Trump <laughs> off of Twitter. It's like, oh my God, they're just reflecting 24 7 overseas and not seeing what's going on over here at all like, mm-hmm. it's not good over here people it's but um because you know they talk about like the baby boomers and what their parents have went through in depression era <clears throat> the depression era is back like straight up <laughs> like millennials are in the depression era right and you know we didn't have student loan my my parents well, my parents are XYZ, but the baby boomers didn't have student student loan problems. The baby boomers didn't have housing issues on a scale like where no one my mm-hmm. age can afford a house at all. Like, man, like I could barely the minimum pay my wage rent. was something <laughs> that people could actually like decently live on. Like in right. none of the fifty states can anyone afford a two bedroom apartment on a minimum wage no um, basis. Like it's just I was actually doing because right here in New York City, the PSL is um, running a mayoral candidate, Kathy Rojas, who is a badass organizer. I've had yeah, the honor of working with um, for years now here in our New York branch, a born and raised New Yorker from Queens, a daughter of Colombian immigrants. She's a public school teacher. And, you know, on her platform, when it comes to housing, you know, we're saying the, the PSL, you know, obviously she's running as PSL, like, we're saying that no person should be able to spend more than 20% of their income on rent. And I was actually doing the math just today. Like I had done it months ago when we first were, were drafting up the platform. And yo, I was just like 20%, that would literally be exactly half of how much I'm spending on right. my studio apartment, um, not here in New York, but like right on the Hudson River, like right across from the Hudson River by uh, by right. the Lincoln Tunnel. And um, I live in a city called West New York. And like, literally, I'm like, so, and it just, it's just so mind numbing to be like, yo, like we are spending, I'm spending 60% of my fucking income just on rent and bills alone. And on like some like credit card debt. And I'm like, shit. And I moved out in the middle of the pandemic <laughs> while student loans have been on pause. Like I am like, yeah. bro, like once that fucking pause is up, like, I'm going to be yep. so fucked. Like, I'm just yep. like, I'm going to like, I literally don't know what I'm going to do like, it's just so insane and when you think about how like the minimum like in terms of the minimum wage and you know uh how it's risen and, and you know in contrast to inflation it's like we were actually supposed to have like a minimum wage that it that makes sense for the cost of living right now forget right. five for 15 that shit would be 26 dollars an hour right. like right. 
it's just like what world are we living on right now and like there's this really great quote um by some marxist scholar um but and it basically just says that like the working class of America would like really rise up and like, understand like where the fuck they're at if like I'm literally not those words but like essentially <laughs> that the working class would like you know of America would have like so much more power if they didn't see themselves like as just temporarily embarrassed millionaires and that's like really it it's just like come on yeah. and like I see it like so much in my family who like aren't really in politics and it's just like this this individualism that we just like soak up like a sponge and just feeling like, well, I just got to be like the first millionaire in the family. Like I just got to hustle. I just got to work two jobs. I go to school. Like, it's just like, this is not human. Like this is not like guys, like this isn't normal. Like this is not okay. Like, and yeah, the back back to China, which has literally eradicated extreme poverty. Like, can we talk about that? Don't say that, Monica. Don't don't trigger that. Don't, don't trigger the Monica. Don't freak out on that. <laughs> who, who took who out of poverty? What? What are you talking yeah. about? <laughs> so many poli- so many political leaders in the Western world has acknowledged that as well, too. And mm-hmm. people are still not accepting that. They still think mm-hmm. that it's a rules. Um, I mean, people have came after my job for me defending China. Um, saying that I I support Uyghur genocide, basically. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I, Monica, I have people come after me, like, email my job and tell me that when they see me at the protest, they're going to fight me and call oh. me a black KKK member, like, straight up. Oh. Like, oh, yeah, it's real in these streets with the China hate. Like, it's real. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's real. And, you know, at this Girl, point, I up. really just don't care. I just don't care at this mm-hmm. point because it's like, what are you going to do? Oh, you're going to attack me, but you can't stop the truth. You can't right. stop the, the fact that you live in the belly of the beast and you're trying to, you know, like you said, be an individual. But we can all mm-hmm. be individuals. But what about collective? What can we do as a community? How can we build as a community? How can we give mm-hmm. our community the, the the opportunities that we need to thrive? It's not about just building wealth. I mean, we can have mm-hmm. wealth within our culture, but. We have plenty of wealth in this country. Yeah, <laughs> like exactly. Just make them share the wealth. The wealth's been built. We've been building <laughs> right. it. Our class's been building it. <laughs> right. Right. At where we work here, all the exploitation, you have gave them wealth. It's time to take mm-hmm. that wealth back. It's not their wealth. And mm-hmm. I had a I had a comedian in on yesterday that I was trying to explain about how if they're working their ass off and busting their ass to build wealth. Then they shouldn't have to give it to the bottom. So I just, you know, I just let him talk because I want to actually hear what exactly he means by mm-hmm. this. And then he was like, "Oh, well, they're going by the law, so maybe they get the laws changed." I'm like, "So do you think that we should change the system to make it better for everybody?" And he's like, "Yeah, yeah, we should change the system to make it better for everybody." All right, then why are you saying let's not have wealthy people give to the bottom? Because if we change the system to make it better for everybody, that means that we're going to force the wealth of these wealthy people to give it back to the people. Which they got mm. it from. I don't know. It was a little confusing, but he clearly kind of agreed with me in the end. <laughs> so it was a little confusing. Uh, one more question. Yo, temporarily was... embarrassed millionaires, like straight <laughs> up, like yes. not right yes. there. But you're not. If okay, you're not a capitalist. If you are not, to me, I I don't know. You're not a capitalist if you're not rich. And like a Jeff Bezos or 
Right. Or, if you don't own the means like of production. Patent, yeah, yeah. If you don't You're just own defending the, the capitalists. <laughs> right. You're just yeah, you're basically like a capitalist slave. And I, I don't want to say slave, but that's kind of <laughs> what it is. Like we're all like capitalist slaves in a way. And we gotta free ourselves. Pull up on this medicine. guy like you're a slave. Wake up, people. <laughs> <laughs> no. It's not how we're so going to do it. That's exactly how to have these conversations. Yeah, you right? just got to listen to people and meet them where they're at. And yeah. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree. I definitely agree. Did you, by chance, uh, pay attention to what happened at the Met Gala? I uh, had to pay a little bit too much attention, unfortunately. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> conversations needed to be had because people were really, really had their panties in a bunch. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I mean, it's politics is a big problem. Yeah, yeah, definitely part of it. You know, I think the main point of it is, you know, like I'll just go ahead and, you know, my immediate reaction to seeing that shit was honestly like, I think this is a totally fine thing for her to do because what's <laughs> happening right now? We have a budget reconciliation bill mm-hmm. that's being held up because the Republicans and a small minority of more conservative leading. Democrats like fucking Joe Manchin want to mm-hmm. hold up this bill that would actually have a major impact on the daily lives of millions of workers. We are talking about free pre-K for three and four-year-olds. We're talking about establishing tuition-free community college for mm. two years. Okay, yeah. we're talking about a host of, of a whole other yeah reforms because we got to yeah. fight for reforms. When our people right. are literally dying in debt and can right. barely afford to pay their rent and bills and put food on the table for their families, like, yeah, we are going to fight for reform. So, like, uh, and then, mm-hmm. yeah, like, it totally makes sense because the whole crux of the issue is that the the wealth, the ultra-wealthy of this country and the people that are going the hardest to defend them don't want to spend a single dollar more in taxes. So, yes, right. tax rich. Yes, I That's will co-sign that message. Like, <laughs> so it's just the, the, the online kerfuffle. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Like, but it's just like the whole online kerfuffle over that was just so, it right. was just so upsetting. It's just like you go to any working class person and you explain to them the incredible disparities that we see between what average everyday, uh, you know, middle of the road earners pay in taxes compared to what wealthy citizens of this country pay, I bet you you can get anybody, anybody, even someone in a red state who says that I will never vote for a Democrat and da-da-da, they're going to say tax the rich to fund social yep. welfare. Like, right. so for people to get so angry over that and also try to act like, like what else do you expect from AOC? Like, what do you else yeah. do expect her? Like, she's a congresswoman. Like, she's a member of the political elite. Right. Like, it's like, of course she's going to be at the Met Gala. And of course she's going right. to, like, throw in, like, a little performative stunt. Like, everything is performance. Politics is performance. Media, what we're doing right now is pretty much performance. Like, it's just, yeah. like, it's just so, that really had me tight. But I was yeah. just like, y'all internet leftists are not going to get an ounce more of my energy. But <laughs> it, it does need to be talked about because I was seeing a lot of people that I know who are, like, actually fantastic organizers and you know who are doing real awesome you know community building work grassroots work mutual aid work all the stuff that's completely necessary but just like uh, saying all this bullshit online and it's like bro like we need to get off twitter we need to get off twitter we need to spend more time talking with our class yeah exactly and that's why i was like mentioning like the whole thing about identity politics because i was just saying like you see people that were on there like just 
so ups like they were just like so obsessed with what she did, but I didn't see any like talk about yes, do tax the rich. And then when you see people like organizers like us, they were like, Oh, well, she politically has not been like all the way through, which is true, but it's also the fact that she took to the, went to the Met Gala and was like, Yo, tax the fucking rich, and everybody in there is fucking loaded. Um, it's like what thirty thousand dollar ticket yeah. to even get into something like that and to, to shove that in their faces i take that as very much courage and talking about the immigrant family um what i think the conversation we're talking about how okay so let's add more pressure to democrats now that she's doing this let's see more from the democrats from now yes that's fine that's a great critique but i think that people a lot of people on the left are that our organizers like us are not really as fans as much of, of, of ACO, which is why they started like immediately going against it. But there's also the understanding that bro, like that's a message that needs to be said, especially in an environment like that, where everyone is just too busy worrying about how good they look and what they wore and the millions of dollars that's produced out. There was yeah. there was really no media presence about what the protest was about outside with police brutality right. at all. And so it's so that was a good. I, I agree with that. I definitely agree with that. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. I, I mean, like you, it, it, what is what is next after this? I mean, like how else can we get their attention? That is the most best way you could get in their faces when you're in their face and you got a nice dress on and you slaying and it says tax the goddamn rich yeah and it's not a policy that's new we did it before before reagan and reagan was the one that destroyed the middle class so we're just we're just asking for something that's been put into establishment before you know we talk about the baby boomers again baby boomers had that they were able to get more unions and all this stuff better jobs and Mm -hmm. stuff like that because the rich were taxed um and i think that all she's doing is very asking for the same shit that happened in the 60s like (laughs) the same policy it's really not that radical of a concept but (laughs) in a time where the working class is the most underpaid the most overworked the most overexploited since like the fucking gilded era like right. we had like 10 year olds like losing arms like yeah. in these factories it's just like come on like it's just like this literally is like what this work uh, with the state of the working class in this country feels like and it's just right. like yeah like the, this is a necessary reform this is a necessary bill that needs to pass ASAP, immediately, like it's yeah. been held up in Congress for months because of the Republicans. Yeah. So, and then, yeah, instead of, uh, yeah, attacking the Republicans for like just completely, like, let, let me not even get started on the fucking filibuster. Like, it's just like, we're just attacking like one of the most outspoken advocates like for the working class in our congress which yes is a bourgeois congress which yes like what is democracy we literally don't even have a right to like healthcare, housing or any like of the basics of human life but we gotta start somewhere like the revolution ain't gonna happen overnight and it's a process it's a continuous process so you know this like purity politic is just what is in so one of the many things it's really going to like decimate the left and also make the left 
lose any semblance of credibility with everyday working class people. Because if most people really had a true understanding of what that budget would mean for them and their families, they would be right on saying tax the rich on their freaking t-shirts and hats and shit too. Like, yeah. come on. And then I just really want to say, you know, there's just such an inherent sexism and racism to so much of the critique of AOC. Of course, we see it in the most blatant ways, you know, from like the Fox News commentators okay. and right-wingers. But it's really disgusting to see people on the left regurgitate a lot of these same things. Because yes. I'm, if Bernie was up there wearing a little tax the rich vest or some shit, he would not have received a sliver, a sliver of the criticism that AOC has received. People literally hate her because she's an outspoken, pretty young brown woman. Like that is literally so much of the impetus for the hate on AOC too. And this is, again, not a defense of her politics, not even necessarily defense of her as an individual. Like, I literally right. went viral for a video back in March dragging her for, for coming at people who had critiques of the Biden administration and calling them bad faith actors because that was just such a blatantly unprincipled moment, and that was just so wrong. But in this right, moment, right. for her to do that, it wasn't wrong. Like, it really wasn't wrong at all. Like, so it's just, like, we really need to learn, like, when... um when it's a time to really pick and choose our battles and to, you know, really like have like a true understanding of like what political moment we're in and what the state of the working class is. Because again, like if you really had this conversation over tax the rich and what's going on with that budget bill with any everyday person who's not on fucking Twitter and like who's not watching the news all the time, I bet your ass that they you would show them a picture of AOC in that dress and they would be happy to have seen that. And also like tax the rich was also like, now a, a slogan that's been re-entered into like the mainstream like yeah. just like a conversation because of that Print at the end shirts. of the day so in some Print ways them. she was effective like yeah. It, yeah. it's just yeah you know now it's making me want to kind of recant my uh reaction video because i was trying to say like yo i wish that she would push more in the squad because the squad mm -hmm. has so much power and now mm -hmm. I'm thinking about it, I'm just like, you know what? This is a kind of a way to push. Like, no one was inspecting it. And it literally just caused so much attention and freaked everybody. Right. <laughs> like, this is exactly what it, what, I mean, this is something I probably, I would have done, honestly. Like, this, this sounds like something, because I like to wear shirts with great messages and stuff like that, too. So, yeah. Totally. Totally see it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's a variety of tactics. It's a variety of tactics that's needed um, to organize and to build and, you know, to push progressive reforms over, like in one of the just like right. most reactionary and right wing, you know, political uh, political landscapes in the world. I was talking about this, you know, to um, one of my coworkers. I'm at the space that we work out of here for Breakthrough. And, you know, she just came back from the UK and she was just like, it really just kind of shook me. Like the fact that like, so many people like just the way that people use the the term working class like all the time in their conversations and how that's something that's completely like just a race out of like the the mainstream vocabulary of our class here in the U.S. and it's just because oh, yeah. like working class consciousness has just been decimated like absolutely right. decimated and it's just like 
there is an inherent class consciousness that workers and a lot of other places have um, that we don't, you know? So it's just like, how do we use this moment, you know, this fucking dress at the Met Gala, you know, like Cori Bush's action, you know, outside of um, the Supreme Court, you know, over um, the eviction moratorium, all of these things, you know, like how do we use these particular moments to move our class further to the left and to have us understand that we have a whole lot more to gain together than we do divided and um, that we have an enemy and and that enemy is one and the same. The enemy is Wall Street. The enemy is right. um, is the corporate elite. And and what are we going to do about it? So, you know, again, there's so many critiques of the squad. You know, it's just like there's so many critiques we can levy out in terms of, you know, I, I just think a lot of the critiques of them are just fall flat on most people because they're rooted um, in things that aren't really substantive. And like, yeah, like, of course, there's going to be like a certain backtracking. Like, that's all politicians are going to say things during the campaign that they oh, don't yeah. actually do. But it's Especially just like... Democrats. Yeah, but it's just like, what, you know, like, what kind of critique are we going to put forward, you know, that's going to speak to, you know, like the real strategy and tactics of what they can do as the most progressive members of Congress, you know, like, those are the conversations we need to be having. And, you know, like, I also respected the fact that AOC was the only congressperson in the New York and like tri-state area who was, you know, sending texts, like her her staff was sending texts to all of uh, the residents in her district um asking them you know like how were they after hurricane ida like it's just like Mm. that kind of you know just like you know there's more grassroots oriented you know like just Mm. form of just caring for people caring for our communities is something that again has just been so divorced from like mainstream politics so you know i don't hate someone trying to bring that back and someone who's actually quite popular in her district which is mostly black and brown people which is mostly immigrants which is a very working class i can't tell you the exact number but no one in her district very few people are making more than you know sixty thousand a year or whatever like you know it's just like and she's incredibly popular so yeah yeah would you say that she's the most popular politician besides bernie sanders in that um in washington um i would say she's definitely one of the more popular ones on on the on the the liberal wing of things for sure definitely Mm -hmm. her and bernie are up there for sure because mm-hmm. yeah. she's more well known than you know a Cory Bush who's still very new, or like an Ilhan Omar who has just been like the subject of so many just Islamophobic and sexist attacks as well. Right. Um, but she right. is quite popular, you know. Uh, she definitely is up there. I would say you know Bernie is the number one for sure, you know. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, she definitely, um, she definitely encouraged a lot of more activism. Um, after Bernie, I mean, I was a Bernie bro, and I got into the PSL right after that because I, I felt that Bernie wasn't strong enough in. in his I know you were not. A, you were a Bernie supporter. I'm sure you yeah. were not a Bernie bro. Yeah. <laughs> you know that whole well, thing. Oh my god. <laughs> I know, right? I was just so mad. I was like, "What should I do? I don't want to do. I don't know what to do." And then the PSL was like, "Hey, come here." <laughs> Let me talk They're to like, you. hey, let's bring you to the real left. <laughs> let's bring you to All right. some real socialists. Right? And it's and I haven't left ever since. It's, yeah, it's no turning back. <laughs> yeah. 
But you know, Monica, I want to. I gotta let you go because I know you a busy woman, and I don't want to mm-hmm. take up more of your time around here. Um, but I want to thank you so much for coming on this podcast and this great fucking dialogue that we just happened. And I learned something new. I learned something new as well mm-hmm. too today. So I love learning things every single day. Um, so to the the plugins, if you want to get people like your plugins real quick, yes. Um, on Instagram and Twitter, follow at BT Newsroom to catch my work and all the work we do um, at the Breakthrough News team. You can find us on YouTube and on Facebook, just looking up Breakthrough News. And um, yeah, thanks so much for having me, Jafari. It was great to see you um, and excited for the next day. Um, maybe we'll link up. I got a huge protest on, on Washington or some shit. Who knows? Yeah. And uh, I, I've been on, uh, owed uh, the New Haven branch a visit for some time now. So um yeah, oh, definitely. Mm-hmm. I'm very excited to see you some point soon, hopefully in person. And thanks so much for having me. Um, I yes, really yes. Uh, respect the work you're doing here for sure. We need to have Thank more um, people powered media um, and just real conversations like this is what's going to move our class and get us in the place that we need to be to really uh, uh, recognize our power and get everything that we deserve. Yeah. Yeah, thank you so much. This is this is a great day already. I might have an awful shift at my job, but I'm already set for the day. This is this is all I need. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much, Monica. And um, uh, everybody that's that's listening, uh, check out Monica's plugins. Check out breakthroughs breakthroughs news. Um, a lot of great stuff. So mm-hmm. uh, have a good day. You too, Carmen. Bye. Effectively transforming community. And our human family Volume and unity Divine light shining individually Collectively transforming community Peace in our human family As above, so below, feel the pain in my soul, the rep he'll dissolve. Organize, no matter the cost. Politicians starts wars, they don't fight, they sit in the poor. And nothing lasts forever as long as we stay together. Give hell to the masses, watch the unity rapture. This is for the kids and the culture. It's one love, one growth, one light, light warriors.